0: Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley for the Upstate Performance Project. Welcome to the show, everybody. Ready to get things going on this Monday morning. You can always look forward to Monday mornings. I know a lot of people don't, but usually the weekends for me and Chelsea are um, our time to kind of relax and recharge and kick back. Um... We're not necessarily living for the weekend. We just we just enjoy our time, and uh, now that we got the house, we're spending a lot of time just relaxing at our house and enjoying enjoying the place. I uh, did a lot of work in the yard and uh, inside the house. So anyhow, hope you guys are ready to go this Monday morning. Now today, I'm going to talk about exercise selection, but let me let me uh, talk a little bit about why I want to talk about this today. And it stems from a lot of criticism, not, not that it's unjustified at times, but there's a lot of criticism online with people's exercise selection, like why are you doing this exercise instead of this, or this would be a better exercise instead of this for that reason, so on and so forth. And even more so when people see a video and they see someone performing a movement and they are quick to hop on and criticize their form or say, that's a dumb exercise or that's a, you know, weird, weird exercise. Why would you do that? Um, and the thought is there are things online that you see out there. Some are extreme and dumb and you're just, they're just trying to get attention. Some are done for a specific purpose. But the point I'm making is you don't really know unless the poster um or coach actually says in the post what they're doing and why they're doing it, you don't really know. So for example, you might see someone squatting to a depth that you would not consider full depth. There may be a reason why. There may be lots of reasons why. And when it comes to exercise selection, sometimes a variant of a full squat, like a quarter squat or a half squat is appropriate. And again, hopefully if posted, uh, the the coach will explain why they chose to do it that way, and you know maybe eliminate any confusion. You still don't have to agree with it, uh, but at least they're giving a rationale for it. Now, um, that being said, one of the things that I have seen with a lot of programming online, a lot of things that are out there, um, you know, a couple of years ago when we started the podcast and we started the YouTube, you know, our goal was to talk. Mainly about programming, uh, through the lens of you know becoming a better coach, and you know now there there's actually a lot of YouTube channels out there right now that are kind of doing that, and you know I, I like watching them, I like getting ideas, I like seeing what they're doing. A lot of it's just validating because it's you know a lot what we're doing, and but really there's a, there's a market out there that I can see that is very confusing to some. And what I mean is there's some some coaches out there that like to post some really wild and weird exercises just for the sake of it to get some attention. Now, sometimes they have a, a rationale, sometimes they don't. Sometimes a rationale doesn't make a whole lot of uh, biomechanical sense or risk-reward sense. But at the end of the day, Exercise selection is a key component of programming, and there are certain things that you really want to think about when programming um, and and picking the exercises. So let me just start with one of the more basic ones, one of the ones that we see a lot online, and it's one of the easier ones to draw some some, uh, examples uh, for. So let's take the squat. So I, just from the beginning, I I love the squat. It's my favorite exercise. Uh, it's what I love to do. If I could just squat every day and you know build muscle all over my body, that's what I would do. <laughs> you know I don't particularly love training arms or training abs or anything like that. I I uh, I like squatting and I do a lot of it. But the squat is kind of one of those exercises that is hugely um, debated in terms of the proper form, proper depth, depending on what you're wanting. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to go over today. Not like what's the best or what you should be doing, but why you see differences in the squat. Um, and what would be most appropriate to do at what time. Or potentially. So when you're programming, when you're trying to think about what your goals are. Obviously, we always start there when we program. But one of those things is... Um, exercise selection we start to look through what we're going to do when we're going to pick exercises uh, for particular parts of that program so looking at it through the lens of say a sports um, team or an athlete in general uh, and you could use this template for your personal training this is what Chelsea and I do this is how we look at our clients long term let's say overall strength is is a goal we just want to the athlete just wants to get stronger um or in this case let's let's look at a football player or a uh maybe a football player wouldn't be a great idea how about a baseball player or a a track athlete um there there are certain things that the athlete you know needs to be able to do there's certain things that, sport specific skills that we'll address at certain points in the in the program. But when we're talking about general overall strength, definitely we want to use a squat. We'll probably put a squat into their program. Now, I'm a big proponent of squatting all the way to the ground, ass to grass, um, full range of motion when appropriate. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of evidence to say that, you know, squatting to a full range of motion will activate uh more of your musculature through the range of motion, strengthening through that full range of motion. Now let's go ahead and make one caveat right now. I'm gonna pick this exercise, especially when we're talking about training someone, uh, you know, looking at their long-term program. This would be something we would do in the off-season phase. In the off-season, it's the furthest away from their competitive season or the in-season. Um And so this is the time where we really want to get a lot of strength gains and maybe even some size gain and so doing so squatting through a full range of motion going as low as you can possibly uh, again not everyone's going to be able to go completely ass to grass but going a full squat we'll say below parallel um, is definitely preferable to get more bang for your buck right now a lot of people who are against squatting that low are, you know, will use examples of you know places undue stress on the knees, or could potentially do this, potentially that, and they're they're not wrong. Um, if taught properly, if the if the athlete has the correct mobility to do it, um, and so on and so forth, assuming that the athlete is fully capable, then that's what I would like to do: is, is squat a full range of motion ask grass, squat. Um, especially in the off season when i'm trying to make the biggest gains the biggest strides in strength development things like that when i get closer to in season i might switch up my squat depth uh just to take pressure off the knee so for example uh in a in a uh sprinter in a at a a running example um i might have a track athlete A sprinter, you know, say through the summer and fall, you know, do a full, full squats. And then as we get into the winter, start doing more quarter squats. Why? Because a sprint, they're never going to have to get down all that low. So I want to strengthen and get, I can super maximally load those muscles through a certain range of motion. In other words, I can use a heavier weight, a heavier stimulus if I'm only doing a quarter squat. And if that's the only range of motion that the legs are going to go through when they sprint, then that's a very sport specific movement. So sometimes when you see athletes squatting and they're only going down, you know, 90 degrees or they're not even to 90 degrees, they're just getting, you know, like a quarter squat. It may be that the coach is trying to strengthen a very specific part of that range of motion for that athletes specific sport. Now, that's not always the case, but again, I would think that if I'm a, a coach and I'm going to post something online and it's going to be something that is like that, I will certainly explain that because you would be aware enough to know that some people are going to you know, troll you and say, hey, they didn't squat low enough, or you might give a rationale. It might be something uh, educational for the next coach to say, oh, I didn't even think about that. That makes a lot of sense, but there's two things to, to think about when we're talking about the squat and ex- this this particular exercise selection. If I'm going to do that, if I'm going to, you know, say in the off season, do a full range of motion squat, which I like, and I could make an argument that a full range of motion squat throughout the year is still maybe preferable um, just from a um, overall strength development. But again, if they're going to be out there running sprints or doing you know long jumps and things like that where there's a lot of strain and stress on the knees already maybe i don't want to overdo it in the weight room and so i have to kind of change the exercises to to do that and that's the whole beauty of periodization uh, throughout the year is that we can have these phases where we're really hitting it hard for muscle growth and strength gains and then there's times where we're getting skill specifics you know the preseason type of training um so we we can change the exercise selection however if we do that for example if i wanted to take my sprinter and go you know just a quarter squat or maybe you know a little bit below that uh, but not quite to parallel above parallel we'll say if i were to train my athlete that i'm i have to make sure though that i still hit my hamstrings um, in my training. Because if I'm not squatting all the way down, I'm not going to be engaging my hamstrings fully through that range of motion. And especially with sprinters, you do not want a, an over-dominant quad. Why? Because when they go to extend, the force of that um, uh, knee extension will uh, potentially put too much strain on the hamstring. Plus, we know hamstrings are huge in sprints. So, you know, doing... Uh, uh, complementary hamstring work would be crucial. Now, I still would say that even in, in an off-season phase where I'm having them squat fully down, uh, you know, all the way down, I still want to do some dedicated hamstring work. But you start to think about things in terms of your time, your schedule, how, how you know... Maybe I only have 45 minutes to work out, so I'm gonna do a full squat. Or maybe I have an hour and a half to work out. I could do quarter squats and then add in some dedicated hamstring work on the same day to get a full leg workout, and I could hit those with heavier weights. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of different things you could think about in terms of uh, why you pick these exercises and when. So there's a valid reason for a lot of different exercises. As long as you can justify it in terms of it has a specific purpose in your plan. So that's again another reason why we love this periodization model where we have these microcycles where we can really fine-tune things day to day and week by week that play into what we're really after in the mesocycle in the next, you know, three or four months or three three or four weeks five, six weeks, uh, and then looking at that, how that uh, plays out over the full year. And again, going back to the squad example, if I have that athlete doing some more sport-specific things, training them in the range of motion that they're actually going to be competing in, in that in-season uh, and uh, preseason phase, then I'm definitely going to need to do some extra work if I'm not having them squat all the way down because we're not engaging the hamstrings. We're not strengthening all the musculature to work together. Um, so we don't want to have an overdeveloped quad or you know anything like that, underdeveloped hamstrings. So that's what I would do in that situation. Whereas in the off season, I would have them squat all the way, even if they even if their sport doesn't require that full range of motion. Because I feel like, For most athletes, it is beneficial to have strength throughout that full range of motion because you never know when you're gonna need it. Now, a sprinter is a very highly specific uh, movement. They don't have a lot of lateral movements. (laughs) They're straight ahead um, and maybe turning a corner, Uh, but any other athlete strengthening through that full range of motion at some point is gonna benefit them because their sports require Uh, or potentially could require them to be in that deep squat and come out of it. Maybe not on a regular basis, but definitely at some point. So having that in your arsenal is huge. So that would make, for me, the the case that I like to use a full range of motion squat as much as possible. And then again, if I have to work around the demands of their sport and switch things up and and be more sport-specific... That's when squat variations or squat depth can be messed with. But when you do, you have to remember what muscles aren't being worked when you're going full the way down. Well, in this case, it's largely the hamstring. So I'm going to need to have some dedicated hamstring work to go along with that. Now, that also can go for people that don't have the range of motion or the anthropometric uh. So, for example, I have an athlete right now. He's growing. Um, he's a, a high school baseball player, and he's probably about six four now. I met him when he was about five seven a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years ago now. And he's just shot up. And we've been trying to get him faster uh, all along, and that's been the goal. And it's been harder harder to do. Um, we're getting there, but one of the things that we have noticed or i've noticed is that he, just because the way his body is built he's got a shorter torso his light legs are probably five foot seven alone now um but he's got super long legs and on top of that he's got super long femurs in comparison to the lower leg and so when he squats doing an astrograph squat is nearly impossible with him um i'd have to get his legs out so wide just to get them to parallel that it's it's almost ridiculous. So what do we do? Is I want to still get those muscles strengthened. I still wanna do some squats, um, but our squats are at parallel or maybe slightly above. However, in this case, because of the way he moves, I'm going to make sure, or the way he's built, I'm gonna make sure that I get everything in in included. So I kind of deconstruct the squat And what I'll do is I'll pick three different exercises in order to do this. And I'll put them in a certain order. So, for example, um, I might start with um, a a Bulgarian split squat or a front foot elevated uh, split squat, a lunge, any kind of unilateral work where I can get a little bit, you know, further range of motion. I can get to that at least 90 degree angle uh, at the knee. Um, And then I might pair that with. Or that you know that might be the first exercise in the circuit. Second one, I would go uh, like a hip extension or a hip thrust uh, to really get the glutes firing, and then I put it all together for with a squat. And we may not go to full depth, but we might go as low as we can uh, and and really load it up heavy that way. And so with all of that, I'm going to have you know quad development, glute development, and then the full squat. And if I have time, I, I'll probably throw in, you know, an RDL in there as well for the hamstrings. So I might have um, in my A series four exercises, but we're hitting all different muscles of the leg to get him stronger. That's what we have to do for athletes that, you know, just the way they're built can't get that full range of motion. And sometimes they can't get that full range of motion because they don't have the ability or the mobility to do that. And so what do I do in that scenario? Well, in that scenario the whole goal is to still is to get them to be able to squat all the way down, right? That's, that's my goal for them because I feel that that's the superior movement, the most bang for your buck, the most general way to strengthen, right? But I may not be able to get, I may not be able to do that with that athlete. So, uh, or, or personal training client. So what I'd have to do then is work when, when we're warming up, work with the PVC pipe, work with a training bar, to get that full range of motion, go through there with without it being loaded. Work with uh, goblet squats, other variations that they can maybe get down that you know that full uh, range of motion without the weight on their back. Uh, and then, when I want to really load it up and, and and build some strength, then I might add in like like uh, I did with that tall baseball player, uh, deconstruct the squat and do three different three or four different movements that hit all those muscles but they're all still kind of working together. They're still compound movements. We're not isolating anything. Um, So they're all going to be training more more than one muscle group at a time uh, around that hip joint. And so the thought is, I'm looking at what my athlete can do or my client can do, what they need to be able to do, how they're built, and what time of the year it is in terms of what their goals are at that particular time. All of those things have to be considered when you pick an exercise. So I use a squat today to kind of illustrate that, but that could be done with any kind of exercise. Uh, you know and that should be done, I should say. So you might still hear this and say, you know what I still think Astrograss squats are the end-all be-all and that should be done at all times all year round. and I won't argue with you. Um, you know again, there, there can be times when you may not want to do that. Uh, like I said when you have a very specific sport like sprinting that you may not need it or again if your athlete can't do it because of mobility, lack of strength and or um, coordination, or they're just not built for it and you have to be able to adjust. Um, but when you adjust from a full range of motion movement, you have to remember that you're going to want to Look at the musculature that you're not hitting as hard in that full range of motion, uh, in that partial rep, you You're <clears throat> what's missing, and then come up with exercises to go uh, for that uh, so that you have still a complete uh, development around, around each joint. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, so again, when you're looking at things online and you see people that may not be squatting to full depth or... They're doing odd exercises that you may not have seen before or may not understand why they're doing them. Just remember that there might be, just might be a reason for that and, you know, explore why. Explore why they may have done that or at least try to see. okay, I could see why they did these three exercises together. They're they're trying to develop that. Um, I mean, there are coaches out there. Um, I won't name names, but there are some very, very, very highly respected coaches out there that do not like squats at all. They'll only do unilateral work. And I'm a huge fan of unilateral work. It's a game changer for me. Um, You know, I I do a lot of lunging. Um, You know, I I kind of go through phases throughout the year. Um, But right now, I'm definitely in a lunging mood, and lunging phase for my own programming. But the point is... There are coaches that will, won't will ever have their athletes squat because they feel that the risk-reward ratio is just not there for them and for their athletes. And why they came up with that or where they came up with that, I'm not, you know, everyone's different, but it's okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I think athletes can be totally fully developed without squatting. But I guarantee you those coaches that say that will also have exercises that will strengthen everything around the joint in a compound movement i mean you don't want to necessarily say okay well i'm not going to squat so i'll do knee extensions hamstring curls and calf raises and you know do some glute bridges on machines and call it good now that's not bad to develop those muscles but that's not going to develop athletic or functional power functional strength and so you still need those compound movements like lunges or like you know, Bulgarian split squats, hip thrusts, things like that that are compound movements. So you're still gonna see those with those kind of athletes. You just may not see back-loaded squats, and that's okay. Uh, again, before you jump and attack, before you say, oh, they're not doing this, or before you dismiss something, you need to look at what phase of training that person is in, why they've chosen those exercises, and then you start to look at things differently. That opens up a whole new layer of appreciation when you see someone's programming. Because generally speaking, you're not gonna see people at a higher level that are just throwing exercises at the wall and seeing what sticks. They're gonna have a reason for it. Now, you don't have to agree with it and you might think your way is better and that's okay. You should think your way is better. You're that coach, (laughs) right? Um, But again, there has to be a biomechanical rationale for what you're doing. And that's the take home message here. So if you have any questions on that, let me know. And, you know, as I was thinking of this, I thought of a great episode uh, that I'm going to probably record right away. I'll just let you figure it out or I'll let you listen and tune in, see what I'm talking about. All right. Have a good one.